Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Gold. Nothing personal word of the day for Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. Fool's Gold is me refreshing Twitter till 4.45 in the morning. For those of you watching on YouTube, nothing personal with David Sampson. Yes, I am in yesterday's close. 551 episodes of nothing personal, and I have never, underscore, never repeated a shirt and blazer back-to-back shows. I got a rotation. But I am now because I was sitting in this chair ready to record live for all the great fans in Hawaii and California and maybe even Greenland, North Dakota, West Virginia. MLB was negotiating all night long with the players. Full Lionel Richie. And it was fool's gold. Nothing doing, Pat Summerall. Here's where we are. MLB said we have to have a deal by Tuesday, March 8th, or else we're going to cancel more games. I had a wait to see that said MLB will cancel games on Tuesday. I got it wrong because here we are Wednesday. MLB has not canceled another week of games because, of course, like last week, when you're close, let's keep going. We're right there. We're at the finish line. We can sense it. We can feel it. We can taste it. The only thing I can smell and taste is nothing. But yesterday, MLB decided they were going to get into deal mode. Deal mode when you're negotiating a contract or negotiating to buy something or negotiating collective bargaining. Deal mode is when you believe that the rhythm of the night indicates that both sides not just can smell the finish line, taste the finish line, but they want to cross the finish line. So when you are negotiating and you feel that that is the case, you tend to make an offer on different things that you believe is the expression I like to use, priced to move. MLB submitted an offer late last night where they gave in. They gave in on luxury tax thresholds, the competitive balance tax that we have been talking about for months. The players want to start at 238. The owners were at 220, 222. They moved to 230. The players want to end in five years at 263. The owners moved up to 242. Is there a difference? Yeah, but the owners caved. Remember, when the owners offered 228, there were four owners who said no. At 220, but it still was proposed because you only need 23. Then it goes up to 230, and obviously when the owners propose something, they've got the votes. I'm shocked by that. 
I'm shocked that the four owners were still alone in their no, if in fact they were still no's. And if they were not no's, that means that they cut a side deal with the commissioner to make them vote yes. But the commissioner may not have needed the votes if he had the other 26 teams. So luxury tax threshold movement, significant. The second issue that's being negotiated is that pool of money called the pre-arbitration pool, which goes to players who have not yet hit arbitration. The players won 80 million in this newly created pool that was zero for all time. And the owners said, let's go to 40 million. They've been at five, then they were at 10, then they were at 15, 20, 30. Now they're at 40 million. Minimum salary, another big issue. It was going to take a seven handle to get there. The owners knew it. The owners proposed $700,000 as a starting minimum salary. $700,000 up from five seventy, up from six hundred. A huge increase percentage-wise, notionally in every way. But we hear strings are attached. So when you make an offer... You offer on core economic issues, but you also have in the offer part of the 130 pages of a memorandum of understanding of the collective bargaining agreement. You have to go into full detail and mark up with a red line or however you're going to mark it up everything that you are changing and offering, not just luxury tax, pre-R pool and minimum salary. You have to talk about the draft. You have to talk about the draft lottery. MLB caved and gave in to a draft lottery for six teams. MLB acknowledged that if you tank for more than two years in a row, meaning you're bad and you're a low revenue team, you don't get to draft in the top 10. Can I just explain how big that is? Do you remember the Houston Astros when they lost 100 games three years in a row when they were tanking? when they were rebuilding. You know what? I'm not using the word tanking. I don't acknowledge the word tanking. I acknowledge rebuilding. I acknowledge recognizing that your window to win has closed and you want to reopen it as quickly as possible with the best possible players where you build through the draft and then sprinkle in free agency and trades. You lose 100 games three years in a row. Guess what? You're not drafting in the top three or the top six. You're down to number 10. And if you're a high-revenue team that sucks, you could only have one year in the lottery. After that, you go to the top 10. So the whole purpose of the draft is to get the best talent to the worst teams. Not anymore. Now there's a whole lottery with sticky envelopes and ping-pong balls that will determine the picks in the draft and where you pick. So if you're a GM of a team and a president of a team, do you think that this collective bargaining agreement, you're going to get together and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to bring the payroll down. We're going to rebuild, but we're going to only make the rebuild last two years if we're a low-revenue team because we cannot risk losing a top-10 pick. Horse hockey. The players do not realize that ownership and GM and president behavior, front office behavior, will not change and all the players wanted was to figure out a way to get rid of tanking. It's window dressing. So MLB gives in on that. 
GMs said to MLB, we're not going to change what we do because of that. A lottery or falling out of the top 10. But anyway, that was part of the deal. The league agreed to limit the number of times you can option a player to five. What that means is the players hate this, right? When they're in AAA and then you get called up and all of a sudden you're making the prorated minimum versus when you're down in the minor leagues and you're making 10 grand a month. But then you get called up and you're making over 100 grand a month. They hate being called up and then being sent down. I have yet to see a player in 18 years, not one player who was a fringe major leaguer who was being called up and sent down and called up and sent down and called up and sent down and the union saying, that's not good for the family. That's not good for the psyche. I have yet to see one player complain to me, man, I don't like being on the AAA train. They're thankful to get major league service time. They understand that they're coming up for a spot start or because of overuse of relievers or because of injury. Do you know what else is true? We've never sent down a guy who's good. You send down a guy who's tied for a guy who's good but has options left because you don't want to give up a player. If a player does not have options and cannot be sent down to the minor leagues, then you're forced to send down someone who does or you're forced to take someone off the roster with something called designating for assignment. To sum up, this big deal by the players wanting to limit the number of options to five because the players have mentioned they don't like packing and unpacking and packing and unpacking, that is not going to change the behavior. Do you like being designated for assignment, which means you've been released and you don't play for 10 days, you don't pitch for 10 days, you're in sort of waiver purgatory? Anyway, that was part of the deal. But then there was the string. We talked about what those strings would be. MLB said, we're going to raise the CBT thresholds. We're not going to increase the penalties, which is what they wanted to do. And the reason they want to increase the penalties is for competitive balance. It's to make sure that there are no runaway payrolls. So MLB said, wait a minute. Let's do a history lesson. When CBTs were first invented, it was called the Steinbrenner tax. The Steinbrenner tax is what it was called internally because the Yankees were outspending the competition by miles. And a bunch of teams said, we want them to pay the price for trying to outspend us all. The Yankees now, while they haven't won since 2009, and their payrolls are always quite high, don't get me wrong, they just haven't done any winning. But the new suggestion by MLB is something called the Steve Cohn tax. Steve Cohn is the new owner of the Mets. He's the wealthiest owner in net worth, yada, yada, doesn't matter. The reality is he is someone who promised a World Series to New York within three to five years. He's someone who signed Lindor to an outrageously large contract, just brought in Max Scherzer, giving him the highest average annual value. Yes, Max Scherzer, getting like 43 million bucks a year. The Mets payroll is somewhere around, I think, $800 million is their payroll this year. Some crazy number. MLB said, listen, players, listen, union. If you go over the threshold by $60 million or more and 
the Dodgers went over by 59 one year, but going over the CBT threshold by $60 million, it's so ridiculous. There will be an extra surcharge. I love it. Steve Cohn said, I agree to this. I'm going to vote yes on this because if it's good for the game to get a deal done, I can take it. Big man on campus telling you that he's willing to pay those taxes. Here's a little nugget for you. Steve Cohn will not go over the fourth level multiple years in a row. When he sees that spending money does not necessarily correlate because he hasn't spent it well and the Mets do not make it forget to the World Series, they barely make the playoffs, he will realize that he needs better baseball people, better presidents, better GMs. He will not pay that type of tax. The players say, we don't love the fact that this is a tax on the Mets, but the union leadership said it's one team. Don't lose the forest for the trees. The Mets only have 26 roster spots. If they want to fill them with all the best players, good luck. There's more than 26 great players. There'll be plenty of other teams vying for your services. So the night is proceeding last night. Great momentum. There's media hanging out in the lobby of the Players Association. Then they get kicked out of that building. They go to hang out in the lobby of Major League Baseball on 6th Avenue in New York. They're waiting. They're waiting. There's rumors. There's tweets. Here's what's happening. Here's what's being discussed. It looks good. We're optimistic. MLB's not going to cancel the next week of games. Not yet. A deadline's not a deadline. It is a deadline. There's another deadline. Everyone's going crazy. I'm sitting here in position, ready to go. And at 4.45 a.m., the players say, excuse me, we're going to need some more time. This sounds pretty familiar, right? Just like last week. Everyone went to bed totally optimistic that the deal was going to get done last week, Monday night. Everybody woke up Tuesday and said, eh, I don't like it so much. No deal. Howie Mandel style. Briefcase number 69, $1 million. Eh. Coca, do you have any idea what that reference is? Does anyone even remember deal or no deal? So everyone went to bed. The players said, we need to speak to our board. Do you realize what a joke that is? The executive council of Major League Baseball, which is of, of the Major League Baseball Players Association, which is run by Scott Boris's players, five out of eight, have been controlling this whole process. The rank and file in the union have no idea what's going on. They follow their player reps. There's one per team. They follow the executive council. They ask not any questions. When they say they want to meet their board, what it really means is they want to wake up this morning and they want to sort of gauge how it looks on Twitter. Gauge whether or not people are upset, and boy, were they ever last night, saying the owners have given how could you not take this if the players don't take this? They are making a big mistake and they're going to lose the PR war. And the players care about that in a way that the owners don't. And the players shouldn't, but they do. Why the players should take this deal is that they are able to claim victory in this negotiation. The minimum salary starts with a 7. The CBT level got over 230. There's this pre-arbitration pool. All of the things that the players wanted to address tanking, will it or will it not, we'll see in five years, to address the integrity of the game, to address spending, 
to address getting more money to younger players. It's all there. How Rob Manfred was able to corral 23 votes for their last offer is how he deserves a raise. Because as a Marlin, I am still a no. I am a vociferous no, unless I'm getting something on the back end, a little distribution of commissioner's discretionary fund money, a little extra corporate sales sent my way in addition to naming rights. I need something. Because just having the Mets as a possible huge payee of CBT tax in my division, not enough. So why didn't the owners announce yesterday the way they said they would a cancellation of games? The risk of giving a deadline, setting a deadline, and then letting that deadline pass and not having consequences to it is significant, and the players know it. If you are Scott Boris waking up this morning, how are you not saying to yourself, hey, we did this last week, and the difference between last week and this week is unbelievable. The movement we got out of the owners in the past seven days is historic. Why don't we wake up this morning, say, no deal, Howie, and wait till next week? When in fact, next week is the deadline after which you can't open the season on Jackie Robinson Day, April 15th. The owners recognizing that Scott Boris may wake up and say that have said to the players union, keep in mind, if you do not accept this deal, then we're not going to play 162. The players said, you said that last week. No, no, this week I mean it. We can make up two series through off days, through double headers. If we miss two weeks of games, we're never getting them back. Are you sure, Rob? Do you really mean it this time? Like this deadline is really the deadline for 162? I'm telling you, here's a letter from Fox. Here's a letter from ESPN. They will not let the playoffs go into November. Here is the schedule. There is no way to fit in 12 missed games. There will not be 162. Scott Boris goes back to the players and says, they may be right. We may not be able to get 162, but I'll tell you what we will get. We will get a full year of service time no matter how many games are played. Doesn't everybody want a full year of service time? And we're going to get more concessions. They're going to raise the minimum even more. They're going to raise the pre-arb pool. Don't worry. I'm telling you. MLB says to the players, keep in mind, if we don't play 162, you're not getting paid for 162. And the players say, Rob, you said that at your press conference. You said these games will not be rescheduled. These games will not be paid. And here we are a week later, and these games will be rescheduled. These games will be paid. So which is it? If you are going to take a position in collective bargaining, you sure as hell better take a position and never waver when it comes to deadlines. How many times do we have to say it? Well, here we are Wednesday morning, Tuesday deadline gone. Owners should wake up today and be resolute. You don't take this deal? Everything we just gave you since last week is off the table. There's got to be a punitive measure for the players not accepting this proposal that the owners made yesterday evening. Punitive. And you've got to communicate that it's going to be punitive, and then you've got to mean it. And if you don't have the votes, 
if you don't have the support for punitive measures for the players not taking it, then keep your mouth closed and don't give Boris a chance to do to you what I would do if I were Boris, which is say no and wait another week. And then add two more issues to be negotiated, the number of games and the number of dollars that will be paid in terms of what is a pro rata. It is a fascinating game of chess that's going on between players and owners. We will see how it goes. We may be live today if there's a deal. We may wait till tomorrow's show. But either way, me staying up until 4.45 and wearing the same clothes that I've been wearing for a day, fool's gold. Was that the biggest news of yesterday? It was in baseball. But did you see what happened in the NFL? Somebody did on my Twitter. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get in Twitter at David P. Samson. We did a fun question and answer while I was on the train to go have dinner with my son last night. You can get into my direct message, ask a question. Sometimes you can just do it directly on Twitter or Instagram. However you want to reach me, I'll try to answer. We have fun with those questions. And it's from a movie called Half-Baked. Here's the question. Do deals like the Wilson deal usually work out for both teams? What makes one side do this versus another? Well, we're not talking about Tom Hanks. We're not talking about Wilson, who's now still over my left shoulder. A little Wilson here that says, you will never be alone in Spanish. I don't know if you can see that Coke on video. Can you see that that's a Wilson next to the franchise poster? Anyway, Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl winning quarterback, got to a Super Bowl twice, won one of them, 33 years old, better known to the majority of the world in Greenland as the husband of the singer, mm, I'm going to get it wrong, Coca. Help me, Rhonda. Sierra? Cialis? I can't, whatever. Sierra. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, and we're going to get to the Aaron Rodgers news. Aaron Rodgers re-signs with Green Bay, or does he? And then all of a sudden, we've got a trade. The Seattle Seahawks traded their franchise quarterback to the Denver Broncos for two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-round pick, three players, including a quarterback. A huge trade. What the hell is going on? You can watch all the other channels. You can watch HQ. You can pay attention to Adam or Jonathan or Tom or whoever you want. If you want to get a breakdown of the players, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to break down the business and say, Denver's for sale. Denver's trying to sell their team for $4 billion. There's a bunch of people who are submitting bids. Guess what? They were consulted on this trade. Russell Wilson has two years left. This has implications for the future of the franchise. When you trade away picks like that, you are sacrificing your future for your present. Every single bidder for the Denver Broncos would be in favor of a trade like this. Every single fan of the Seattle Seahawks should be in favor of a trade like this. There, I said it. This is one of those trades that was perfect for both teams. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks were getting divorced. They were getting divorced before this season. They were done. If you know that you have an expiring asset, an aging asset, 
a slightly less effective asset, and Coke and I argued pregame about this. Russell Wilson is not the quarterback he was. Put Russell quarterback on a, Russell Wilson on another team as the quarterback, and the view is that he's a top five, top three quarterback in the league. I will grant you that he is an uptick over Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, who were the quarterbacks for the seven and 10 Broncos. I'll grant you that. But when you are buying a team and you are coming in to a new community, a new situation, and you've dropped three to four bills, bills on your team, winning now is way more important than winning later. Making a splash sign or a splash trade is way more important than who the first round or second round pick could end up being. How often do nine for twos work out? I was talking to Coca about the Herschel Walker trade. He's like, that happened before I was born. I was two years old or something. I don't remember that trade. Herschel Walker was a very famous player and a huge deal was traded by the Cowboys to the Minnesota Vikings. The Cowboys ended up with a bunch of great players, not the least of whom was Emmett Smith, by the way. And guess what? The Cowboys won Super Bowls. This is what, that's how long ago it is that Jerry Jones won a Super Bowl. The Vikings didn't win a thing. It is very rare to trade that type of assets, that number of assets, and come out on top. But we are now in such a quarterback-centric league that everybody needs a quarterback. And there's such a huge gulf between the top quarterbacks and the mediocre, and then the mediocre and the poor. And it is very unlikely, not impossible, but very unlikely to win through January without a star quarterback. Now, having the star quarterback doesn't guarantee a win, just ask Green Bay, but it certainly doesn't hurt. So why exactly did Pete Carroll just two weeks ago at the Combine in Indianapolis where those 300-pound guys run 40-yard dashes in their underwear, why did Pete Carroll say that Russell Wilson's not being traded? That was the most purposeful statement that a coach can make. How many times on nothing personal have we said to you, oh, he's not getting traded, and then he gets traded. Oh, we're not taking offers on this player, and then that player's gone the next day. How is it that other teams don't realize that when someone says a player is not available, it means a player's available? Everybody's available. 31 NFL teams knew that Russell Wilson was not going to be a Seahawk in 2022. The Broncos engaged in trade talks for two weeks. There were rumors that Rodgers was going to the Broncos. Everyone knew they needed a new quarterback. This trade gets consummated, and the football world is like turned upside down. Pete Carroll's a liar. Pete Carroll's a 70-year-old coach who's now undergoing a rebuild. Like, what's he doing? What are they doing in Seattle? Seattle wasn't winning with Russell Wilson anymore. Russell Wilson didn't want to be there, and he wasn't winning. Add all that up, and you make a trade. If it works, and it's good for your team. You don't just take Christian Yelich 
and say, oh, he doesn't want to be here. Let's just move him to the Brewers and get back a bunch of guys who are supposed to be good. Maybe they will be good. Maybe they won't be good. And, oh, my God, they weren't good. And we didn't have to trade Yelich, who was on a team-friendly contract. That's not the scenario that the Seahawks were in. Russell Wilson is signed for two more years. It was definitely part of the cap, a big percentage of the cap, but not outrageous. Not like a Mahomes-style cap hit or a Rodgers-style cap hit, at least going forward. Russell Wilson could have been signed and extended by the Seahawks, could have retired as a Seahawk, and what a great story it would be. But there's one thing that really good coaches and GMs know, that being the last person holding an aging star in the game of musical chairs is almost guaranteed to end up in losing. And as hard as it may be to trade for Carroll to trade Wilson, and I'm blanking, Coca, what's the name of the eight-time Pro Bowler who they released? Uh, It was their two most popular players. Uh, Bobby Wagner. Thank you. Bobby Wagner got released. The Seahawks are done. They're starting again. And they found the perfect foil, the perfect team. A team that is desperate for now is always going to trade with a team who is okay with later. Desperate for now equals okay for later. Then you've got an epic trade. You can't have two desperate for now teams trade. Not going to happen, right? You can't have two desperate for laters. We stink now. They're not going to be match matches in a trade. You've got to have the desperate for now and the okay for later. And that's what happened. Do these deals usually work out for both teams? Absolutely not. It will not happen. The advantage in this trade, and you wait, the advantage goes to Seattle. If we look at Seattle's record and Denver's record over the next four years, I'm still taking Seattle. You think Denver's going to be playing in January with Russell Wilson as quarterback? Negative. He's going into a division with Mahomes, with Carr, with Herbert. Eh, We'll see what happens. All right, we come back. We're going to review and have a conversation about a show I watched yesterday that is very important to watch. And we also will get to what happened with uh, Aaron Rodgers, who may be going back to Green Bay. He's not going back to Green Bay. Then he says he's going back to Green Bay. Then Pat McAfee says it's not for $200 million, And Rodgers says it's not. Other people say it is. Either way, we will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's a tired David Sampson in yesterday's close. So much going on in baseball, football. Thank you so much for listening, rating, reviewing. Please keep doing all that stuff. No matter how big and popular we get, we still need ratings, reviews, and we need you to tell your friends about Nothing Personal because we're just starting. When we're not getting 10,000 people in North Dakota listening to this show every day, we are not succeeding. When we're not getting 10,000 people in Hawaii, we are not succeeding. So come on. All right, I want to take a serious note and talk about a show I watched called Downfall, The Case Against Boeing. Just stay with me. This is a documentary about the 737 MAX airplanes that were grounded for 20 months after two crashes within five months of each other. And it's a case about corporate greed. It's a case about corporate line. It's a case about the public trust. It's a case about what you and I do every day. When we board a plane, we are under the assumption that the people making the planes actually give a crap about the planes not falling out of the sky. Boeing built this unbelievable 737 MAX plane built for speed, comfort, and efficiency. They put in some of the most state-of-the-art systems, and wouldn't you know it, they forgot to tell the pilots about one of the systems. Well, that actually makes Boeing sound better. They didn't forget. They purposefully did not tell the pilots or train them about something called an MCAS system. Doesn't matter what it is. It controls the nose. It makes the nose go down if the plane's going up at a speed that it shouldn't. It makes the nose go up when it's going down. It, it controls the nose of the plane automatically. Boeing said, we don't have to tell people about that. It's too much. We can't inundate pilots with information. And then there's a crash. Then they start telling people about it, and then there's another crash. Now, these crashes take place in the United States, so people in the United States said, oh, it's got to be pilot error. You can't have good pilots in Ethiopia, right? Or Indonesia. Guess what? Those pilots were trained, including some trained in the U.S., these pilots were not responsible for the crashes. It was the plane, and this documentary goes through What Boeing did to try to deflect blame from itself all in the name of their stock price. Have we all forgotten? Because we fly Boeings. Well, here's something I haven't forgotten. In 1994, my aunt and uncle died in a plane crash. This documentary follows some families where members were lost in these plane crashes of the 737s. Every time I fly, 
every day I think about my aunt and uncle, and it was back in 1994. And it was a small propeller plane, but it doesn't matter. And this documentary talks about the way in which Boeing treated these families. Talks about how they refused to acknowledge the grief, the pain, the horror, the tragedy. We all move on, right? When you read about a crash, you feel badly for the, for the families. Say, wow, that's so sad. Guess who doesn't get to move on? The families who lose daughters, sons, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandparents, grandchildren. You never move on. It never goes away. Every single time I board a plane for the rest of my life, I think about the plane crashing every time. Every time there's turbulence, every time there's a noise, and I've been a part of emergency landings, I've been a part of almost crashes. And the corporate greed, and this is not a political statement I'm making. This is the society that I'm a part of and basically I support. Anything for profits. You're telling me that I can have one person do the job of four people? I'm in. But for whatever reason, because of my personal experience, I never viewed air travel that way. For whatever reason, I never viewed ever the fact that when you are a doctor or you are a construction person making elevators or airplanes or cars, that money should not be the driving force. It's got to be consumer safety. And here's where I screwed up. I screwed up thinking that these companies and the people who run these companies would feel the same way. And I screwed up thinking that if I were running those companies, I'd feel the same way. And then I'd go meet with Wall Street investors and I'd realize that, wait a minute, my entire livelihood and the livelihood of my kids depends on our stock price performing. If I can cut corners, I'm gonna cut them. How many times have you heard about fines levied by industry, by the government, settlements, lawsuits, when corners have been cut and lives have been lost? How many times do you look at people going to Capitol Hill for gun control because their kid got shot by a gun that was legally or illegally gotten? Or families like of these crashes go to Capitol Hill and appeal to Congress saying, we lost our family members, what are you going to do? And they get a microphone, they get to cry, they get to say the pain they were in, but guess what? Nothing freaking changes. The fury that I felt watching this documentary, I felt my blood pressure going, I felt emotional about the loss in our family, the loss in these people's families who I don't even know because I know exactly how they feel. And that feeling, it's not money, it's not time, it is your own death that ends it. That's it. The pain of loss ends when the survivor dies. Period. The reason you should watch the case against Boeing 
is that it's always better to be informed than not informed. How many times and how many of you will say, I don't want to watch it. I don't want, I don't want to think about it. I want to be able to fly without that anxiety. I don't, I don't want that information. Ignorance is bliss, right? Nope. Ignorance is ignorance. Okay. Uh, I'm taking a breath. Taking a breath. I'm tired, Coca. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm annoyed. I'm taking a breath. Okay, ready? Here we go. I make mistakes. We do this show 45 minutes. We don't edit it. I was referring to robot umps a couple days ago, and someone named Ken tweeted at me, and I was talking about the Will Smith robot movie, and I said it was Hitch. Come on. I know Eva Mendez and Will Smith in one of the great first dates of all time when they're jet skiing on the Hudson River. I am in, all in. Love Hitch, love Benadryl, love Kevin James, love Amber Valletta. The movie I was talking about was iRobot, and I even mentioned that it was with Tom Brady's baby mama. But I said the wrong movie. Thank you for correcting me. We always will make the corrections. I, Robot, obviously is about robots. The Memphis Grizzlies acted like robots yesterday. Remember, we had that uh, pick of the day. We're now 26 and 20 for the year. I did not take the credit for my two wins two days ago. So we were 25 and 20. We had the Grizzlies five and a half over the Pelicans coming off that horrible loss the night before. It was a give me game. You better have bet it. You better, you better, you bet. Grizzlies crushed them. All right, we got the Bucks playing the Hawks tonight. Bucks are given five and a half. I like the five and a half give, like the Grizzlies five and a half. Bucks five and a half over the Hawks. The Hawks win my nomination for the most disappointing team of this NBA season. I thought they would be a candidate for the conference finals. They just have not been able to get their act together. It's starting to be winning time now for the Bucks as they defend their championship, which the way to see is that they will repeat. Bucks minus five and a half over Hawks. And I'm doing a bonus NHL pick. I did an NHL pick two days ago. Didn't get credit, even though I had the Panthers going. But this game fascinated me. The Washington Capitals are playing a road game against the Edmonton Oilers. And the Washington Capitals are underdogs against the Edmonton Oilers. I'm taking the value with the Capitals, but I want to talk about, so that's the bonus pick. For those of you, specifically Charles and myriad other listeners, wanted me to once make an NHL pick. There you go. Capitals tonight. But something went on with the Capitals yesterday, and something's going on with their team that really requires a moment of time. The Washington Capitals have a bunch of players from Russia. The Washington Capitals have one of the best players in the history of hockey, Alex Ovechkin, who is an acknowledged ally of Vladimir Putz. So what do you do when you're running a team and you've got your star player who clearly has political ideologies and sort of uh, a belief system that may not match yours? Well, it's easy to ignore until there's war. And then you can't ignore it anymore. But the Washington Capitals have shown great support for Ovechkin and for all their Russian-born players. And Ovechkin has had tremendous pressure on him to talk about the war, to comment about the war. 
He's acknowledged it's a hard situation. He said I've about he's got friends in Russia and the Ukraine. I don't want to see war. I hope it's going to be over. I hope there's going to be peace. But meanwhile, he does not at all say anything against his friend, Vlad. And the team finally had to release a statement which said they stand in full support of all their Russian players and the families overseas. We realize they are being put in a difficult situation and we stand by to offer our assistance to them and their families. Well, maybe they could actually assist and get the WNBA player back home. That'd be good. Or get a bunch of families who are stuck there who can't leave. Or how about taking in some refugees? Or how about finding a way to make sanctions matter and have Putin stop the war? I mean, I can think of a few things that you can do when you're powerful in Washington. But it is nice to say that you're supporting the families. But can you imagine that clubhouse? Well, let me give you a little insight into how clubhouses work when it comes to politics. Nada. Zero. They don't talk about it. They don't care about it. They don't focus on it. The fact that there have had to be statements like this is because this is such a unbelievably hot topic at the moment with the devastation that's going on over there that they had to address it. They addressed it correctly, the Capitals did. You have to support your players. Players have nothing to do with the decision for him to invade Ukraine. You can't hold them responsible. I can't understand, in New York, I just read this, Coca, there are people who are not gonna eat at Russian restaurants. They're canceling their reservations, trying to put them out of business. I'm just, Throwing it out there. You think the proprietors of the Russian restaurants who are trying to make a living, trying to get by here in the United States of America, doing it legally and paying taxes, that they are secretly sending the money that you get for buying goulash and sending it to Putin? There's restaurants taking Russian items off their menus. Don't drink Russian vodka. I'm actually good with that. I just have a hard time blaming people. It's sort of like uh, when your great-grandfather was a Nazi and you're living in Germany and somehow as a Jewish person, I have hatred for you. I don't have hatred for you. I have hatred for your great-grandfather. Now, if you're a Nazi, I'm going to hate you right now. But you have to prove to me that you are a racist before I'm going to call you a racist. There can't be racist by association. There can't be War by association, misogyny by association, gay. Okay. Franchise tag day was yesterday. The Dolphins tagged their, what, what was it, their tight end, Coca? The Green Bay Packers franchise tagged their wide receiver, Devontae Adams. Franchise tag is just a way to keep a player when you don't want to sign that player to a long-term deal. You get to franchise tag them and then pay them a lot of money, but they don't get to be free agents. But the big news of the day was Russell Wilson on franchise tag day. But the second biggest news of the day was Aaron Rodgers. What's the deal with Aaron? There's pictures of him on a private plane getting off the plane back with Yoko Ono. Maybe they're back. Maybe they just had mutual friends and they were going to the same wedding at the same place. Maybe they're on again. Maybe they're off again. Who really gives a crap? But all I know is that Aaron Rodgers, after all the talk, all the preparation to leave Green Bay, all of the changes they made to his deal last offseason, rumors started that they were hiring the quarterback coach that he loved, and they did. 
that they wanted him back. Their coach, Matt LaFleur, said after the season, even though they lost to the Niners in the divisional playoff round, and even though Matthew Stafford has the same number of Super Bowl wins as Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay said, we want him back. We want him to be a Packer for life. $200 million for four years, making him the highest paid player in history. Guarantee of $153 million greater than the guarantee of Patrick Mahomes, who signed that $450 million deal that everyone said, oh my God. And then we said, no, no, he's not going to sniff even close to 450 because he has to win Super Bowls and MVPs and yada, yada, yada. So sources come out and say Aaron Rodgers signs. The world stops spinning on its axis. Everyone is so excited, all the Green Bay fans. And then Pat McAfee tweets, not true. Well, not true he didn't sign. Not true he's going back to Green Bay. What's the source? What's happening? Aaron Rodgers then tweets and says, I'm coming back. I haven't signed anything. Well, there's a reason he hasn't signed it, and it's cap-related, date-related. But he acknowledged he's coming back for his 18th year with the Green Bay Packers. The Packers traded for Jordan Love. They're going to let him sit. It'll be his third year sitting. Aaron Rodgers sat for three years when he was sitting behind Brett Favre. Is it possible that Aaron Rodgers is only with this deal going to play one more year and then retire one more year, then get traded one more year and then pull a Tom Brady and go to another team? Or is it true that by signing a four-year deal, you are spending four years with the team? Well, here's something that baseball knows and now football does too. When contracts like that are announced, these long-term contracts, the only thing that's guaranteed is the guaranteed money. So for all the people in Green Bay, enjoy Aaron Rodgers while you can. But any deal of four years, $200 million, guarantees only that in 2022, your quarterback will be Aaron Rodgers. I thought it wasn't going to happen. On January 27th of 2022, I had to wait to see that Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay. Well, when I'm wrong, I'm going to revisit it. And I was wrong. Aaron Rodgers is not leaving Green Bay. Therefore, I am doubling down. Aaron Rodgers will not be a Green Bay Packer in 2023. He will not play the 23 season. This one will be his last year because the Packers are going to need to play Jordan Love. Wait to see. Rodgers is back, but not for long. We'll be in touch the rest of the day. We'll see what Coco wants to do. We may go on YouTube Live if there's a deal. We may just address it tomorrow. There may be no deal. There may be cancellation of games. It's going to be a big day in Major League Baseball. Thank you. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.